Hey everybody, welcome to My Town Hustle. Today we are going to talk about complete streets. Stay tuned. Welcome to My Town Hustle, where we take an in-depth look at the people, policies, and processes that make small towns work. Focusing on trends in urbanism and creative economies, My Town Hustle explores the ideas that make our community special. So sit back and enjoy the show. Right. Welcome, everybody. My name is Jared Perry, and today we're going to be chatting about Complete Streets with Sam Tootin of Sixmo City Services. What's going on? And the Yoda of all things government, Brett Alfin. Hey, everyone. All right. So, Complete Streets. This as is opposed f- to Incomplete Streets. As opposed to Incomplete Streets. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll be honest. I don't know a whole lot about this. I've done a little bit of research. Um uh, I'm excited for Sam to to tell us what it actually means. I had a question about it um, indirectly because I wanted to know what the uh, process was to get a parklet um, completed in front of our building here on Front Street, and that kind of led to the discussion about complete streets. So, all right, so enough of me yammering. Uh, Brett, why don't you give us uh, the definition of what a complete street is? So according to the uh, website that has all the information about everything <laughs> on the on the internet, Google. interwebs. Yeah, the interweb. Complete streets are, um, you know, a design approach to transportation. That means streets are planned and implemented with all users, all skill levels, all abilities, and all modes of transportation in mind. So complete streets quite literally meaning everything from cars to biking, walking, all those things together. So planning and implementing that kind of all in one, t- all in one shot, as opposed to just planning and building for cars. Yeah, yeah, from so. from little tiny kiddos clear up to the sure. elderly. Yes. Okay. And with that definition, I want to kick it over to Sam, and Sam is going to tell us a little bit more about some of the the design principles and elements that kind of go into complete streets, and then we'll talk about what it means for communities like ours and what it me- might mean for communities like yours. Yeah. So Brett, you know, pretty much hit it on the head in terms of what a complete street is. Design wise, they, they, they vary. Okay. So it can be everything in one. It can be uh, sidewalks, bicycle lanes, shared use paths, designated bus lanes, uh, transit stops, um, median islands, uh, pedestrian signals, curb extensions, you know, anything that makes the street uh, safer. Uh, but it's definitely going to be different in terms of a rural setting and an urban setting like a downtown. Um, but it doesn't have to be all those things in one. But it can be. Yes. What's nice is that Complete Streets Policy puts the perspective of always looking at these design elements and not only new construction, but something as simple as restriping. So, you know, you want to have something outlined to where, all right, we're doing a major, major infrastructure change down a particular corridor. We have to upgrade our stormwater system. We're digging up the road anyway. All right, this policy is in place. How are we going to work with coordinating agencies nearby, whether that's the Regional Planning Commission, that's your transportation engineers out of your Department of Transportation, your local county and city level officials and city leaders, you know, to go ahead and design the street? Because maybe you're already having difficult with the street. Maybe, you know, it was too wide or it was too dangerous to cross, so there was no crosswalks. So that's one thing you want to look into, but also let's say you just are going to 
restripe. You know, you don't want to uh, you know, put this major capital project on this area, but you know it's a problem in terms of safety for pedestrians and all types of users. Then you would look go the route of just retrofitting uh, what you currently have. And again, it doesn't have to have all these things in one. It absolutely could, but it's really that simple. Okay, so what are what are some of the advantages to having these, say, then, you know, right now on our main drag, downtown Front Street, we've got two-way traffic and, and two lanes per direction. So what does that look like if, you know, complete streets were to take place on Front Street? Ooh. Well, I think it's it's trying to first of all we have to decide what do we want do we do we just want cars there do we want more pedestrians do we want bike traffic you know we have to first i think we have to decide what do we you know what do we want down there once um you have that decided i think then you can go into kind of the design elements of what does it take to do that um hot take for this episode this is like a very maligned idea right this is like the punching bag idea of transportation planning it's kind of like a joke but Unfortunately, I think that's not well placed because I think most places selfishly want to make their transportation networks more integrated, right? More inclusive of folks that are trying to use it and make it a better experience for everyone. So to your, to answer your initial question, Jared, the first step is deciding collectively as a community, what do we want? Yeah. And maybe it's less traffic. Maybe it's slower traffic. Maybe it's, um, be more permissive of other type of non-vehicular traffic. So figuring that out is, is the first Well, step. who brings that yeah. up then? I mean, where, where does this start from? Who does it go to? In my opinion, it comes from kind of your city or county level, either transportation planners or even your engineers. Cause well, yeah, but I'm John Q. Citizen. What do I do? Like, how can I, who do I call? Who do I yell at? Who do I berate until they, they tell me what I want to hear? Advocate to your city or county for a complete street policy. Because what really the policy does is it outlines those engineers for what the street and construction would look like. Yep. You it's, could implement a complete street yeah. application without building anything, right? Yeah. Hey, we just want to change the flow of traffic or yeah. even odd number of lanes or put a protected bike lane. And all that can happen through striping and painting. Yeah. And guess what? If you don't like it in three years, you can change it again. Yeah. You can change it back. So I think a lot of folks get caught up in the idea that, well, if you're going to do complete streets, you got to build a huge protected median with plants in it and have all your lighting underground and have every, you know, have everything in the center and have bump outs that have to be landscaped. I mean, it can be that it can be, it doesn't have to be. It could be those cones that you see, you know, in the middle of those medians that people hit and they knock over and they never get put back up, you know, but (laughs) yeah, let's get those. But how do you really feel? I hate those because they're usually gone, but that's the point is it could be done. Yeah. Literally tomorrow. All right. So what's what's the biggest hurdle, I guess, for for local governments who want and let's keep this at the city level and the county level. You know, what's the biggest hurdle if if you start hearing people saying, Hey, we would like you to think about these, you know, does that get thrown in a comprehensive plan? Does it, you know, how do you go about allocating funds for it? Do you've you got to put something on the ballot measure so that you can raise funds for it, or is it something that's pulled from an existing budget? How's that work? I think if you've got a local plan, that's the best place for it to show up. Yeah. I think the the barrier to it that you're asking about, Jared, I think is, again, hot take number two this episode. We overvalue cars and car traffic. We overvalue vehicular traffic. So for some reason, we think if we can't get a car in front of our business or right next to it, 
we're not going to have any business. And just personally, I don't think that's true. I mean, I think we've got a living example of that here. So I think the hardest thing to overcome is that, you know, we have four generations overvalued auto traffic. Yeah. And so when you start taking away from that, it gets scary. I don't know what to do hmm. you know, if there's not cars out there or as many cars. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, I, you, I agree. Yeah, I agree. That's a quality of life. Yeah. That's a quality of life concern, I think. Yeah. But in terms of implementing this kind of process, you have to engage with the public of what you would yes. want out of your street just yes. like that. But it's also an educational thing, too, for engineers and city staff to ask the right questions of, you know, when to implement a bike lane, when not to implement a bike lane, but also a cohesive effort to work with public transit, I should say, uh, reaching out to your local bicycle groups, you know, getting those people on the table to say, all right, where are your routes, where are you plan your routes going to be? You know, City of Marietta has a bike trail map system. And so using those tools, but you have to do it all together. Yeah, Th so that's, that's going to be one of my questions. <laughs> well, not one of my questions, but I can see it being, well, wait a minute, we already got a bike path. Yeah. Why, <laughs> why you need on my streets, right? <laughs> I don't think the bike path can take you to work. I don't think it can either, <laughs> no. but it's called a bike path. Yeah. It physically has a word. Yeah bike in it yeah well and i think unfortunately the other thing and i think sam i think sam is kind of getting to this point is we're not making we're not doing this planning um actively we're doing it retroactively so yeah. m your complete street policy is not going to happen until sam is out there riding his bike and he doesn't pay attention and he gets hit by a car yeah. then suddenly we're going to want the complete street policy we're going to want to have a lot more emphasis on p pedestrian safety and bicyclist safety and all those things because of something happened not on the front end of that typically well, and obviously to Brett's point too, in terms of acting out of post-accident, you know, City of Merida has done that twice. Um, I believe I think someone got hit at two different points on Front Street, and now we have mid-block uh, sidewalks with buttons and flashing lights and everything yep. like that. So they've reacted to yep. something seriously bad happening to the pedestrian safety in town. Yep. And, and it's okay to be reactive. I'm just, I think what yep. we're saying is you don't have to. I mean, yes. Yeah. We can yeah. be out in front of it and actively try to anticipate those yeah. negative impacts and what, what was the thing you were showing us off mike about uh desire paths or something like that yeah so for listeners if you don't know this uh, imagine a place in your town where people walk regularly or maybe they're biking regularly but there's no sidewalk there and so they kind of beat a path right into a, a grassy area that's called a desire path yeah. and i think that comes from the idea that this is where people desire to traverse right this is where they want to be and a lot of communities when they're trying to figure out well, you know, what's the next area that we need to pave? Um, a lot of folks have just adopted the approach of pave the desire path because yeah. obviously this is where people want to go. I want to go from this building, cut across this little area over to that area, yeah. and so many people do it. Now I've got a path, and so obviously if it's public property, it's, it's easier to do that. But I think colleges do that. So think of your favorite college, and you've got the, the quad or the square or whatever that's in the middle of campus. The oval. The oval, whatever you might have. Your, your shape of desire, whatever your favorite shape is. Um, and it has all these paths on it. And I think a lot of colleges, they do that exact thing where they take those desire paths and they pave them because that's where students want to walk. And that happens in our communities too. So, you know, that would be one indicator mm -hmm. in the planning to say, if you're seeing a desire path, like right out here, or right over there, Hey, there must be a lot of people walking or biking or traveling in this area. That's really not meant for them right now. What can we do about that? Yeah. Can these be and used with CDBG funds? Yes, CDBG money can be used, um, you know, in this regard because you know you're talking about just like sometimes widening sidewalks, 
Um, there's the Safe Route to School um, programs. There are other things out there that are designed to improve how we get places. So, you know, as long as those funds, you know, are obviously used in a, a low to moderate income area, which uh, again, a lot of downtowns, uh, a lot of urban settings and smaller communities are in that um, LMI track, then it, it, you know, it can benefit uh, from the CDBG uh, funding. Well, and in, you know, Marietta is a CDBG entitlement city. And so they have a lot more autonomy and agency in deciding what they do through their consolidated plan and stuff like that. That so they could they could make priorities that were going toward the complete street implementation. Maybe not specifically exactly, but they could be making improvements that are working toward that goal. So why why should I care about complete streets? I mean, how do you feel about having the transportation op- options being more integrated? How do you feel about having just more options? I'm definitely for limiting our um, our crutch on on car traffic. Um, I think I was sharing with Sam a couple of days ago. It was Hendersonville, North Carolina. Uh, I was recently there. Um, their main drag is awesome. I have no idea if it's, I, I would assume it's complete streets. I, I mean, I really just learned about this uh, not too long ago, but uh, it's two lane. It used to be exactly like ours, same width. They curve the entire street so that you can have angled parking on one side of, you know, inside of the curve. Uh, and then in, on the other side, you have, you know, extended sidewalks. So there's public seating, not necessarily restaurant seating, but it's public seating. You can go outside and, you know, grab and go, whatever. Um, it's just a traffic moves very slow down that street. And I think that would be the fight we would have here is, you know, our main drag is used as an access way. I mean, oh yeah. So I'm, I'm definitely for it. Um, but I, I think I would have to know tangible benefits before embarking on a, when, when you're in a community of many needs. Yeah. Yeah. Why is this elevated to the top? You'd have to explain that to me. It's a great question. And I mean, to me, I could wrap it up in safety. I mean, I could, I could, you know, we don't always want people riding bikes on sidewalks. That's dangerous. Yeah. You know, you're out there with your stroller. I'm out there with mine. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that happens. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, finding a more appropriate way to pass that traffic and keeping pedestrian areas for pedestrians and things like that. I mean, so I think there's an argument for safety. I think to the earlier point that Sam was making is that, you know, complete streets, it really is a state of mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's just about how do we make improvements that are more inclusive of all the ways we want to travel. And it doesn't take a huge capital investment to do that. Yeah. The example you gave, they probably spent a lot of money um, restructuring the traffic flow mm-hmm. and, and the infrastructure that's there. And you don't yeah. have to do that. I mean, yeah. I think, you know, you can take what you have and make subtle modifications that could yield those benefits if it's of value to you and if it's part of your long-term plan. But you're right. I mean, is how high is that in hierarchy hierarchy of needs? Probably not high. So parklet. Question, question for Jared. Yeah. Why are you so interested in the parklet? Because I want one. Okay. Say more about that. <laughs> more than so, that. So we we have a we're recording out of the collaborative workspace here in Marietta. Um, what I 
what I like most about where I was in a major metropolitan area is the ability to see people. When people see other people doing things, when you see a line out, you know, out the door at a restaurant or you travel somewhere and, you know, you're, you know, all that cupcake shots, you know, people out the door, like, you're like, I want to go there. I want to see what's, I want, I want to be involved. That's, that's that Friday night feeling. I pull out of the parking lot here. I drive by, you know, a restaurant and I see tons of people out. The first thing I say when I get home is, Hey, we got to go out tonight. Like I'm, I'm feeling it, you know, <laughs> I'm feeling it. So the parklet idea is one, we have a lot of people that are transient in and out of this building because it is entrepreneurs, you know, they're, they're here all hours of the day. We are situated in between bars and restaurants and shops, yep. right? Yep. Our, our town on any given work day or weekend, or, you know, you're going to have a mixture of, you know, people taking a walk, um, you know, people visiting a historic town. We have, you know, Sternwheeler ships that, that literally stop and, and people, you know, peruse the town. Yep. This would be a place to sit down and enjoy the, the community. Yeah. One of our, uh, I probably our best asset is Front Street. So having that right in front of a fully renovated building right next to uh, what soon will be um, a deli and, and bakery uh, that, uh, was just the building was just purchased and being renovated as we speak, um, and a place for people just to to sit, drink a cup of coffee, read a book, you know, say hi to you know the passerby. I don't care, yep. Yep. but it's just people being out. Yep. And when yep. you drive down the street or you walk down the street, it makes you want to come back because people like being around people. That's just human nature. Mm-hmm. So the idea is to have more of these spaces that invite people, uh, kind of in a non traditional. Sure. Sense because that's also the oh what is, what is that yep. I don't know what that is. Plus we're also very close to an intersection. I know it'd get a lot of people looking at it like what is that thing I've never seen that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's that's why I want it. And you know the more I researched it, we're looking to do it as a private investment. You know, I just need to know from the engineering department, and from the safety services director, what what hoops we have to jump through in order to get this done. But typically, from what I've been reading, the public would do this. The city would provide yeah. this. Yes. They would take, you know, commandeer a parking space out in front of a building and say, Hey, we're going to make this, whether it's in front of a restaurant or whatever. And we want to do this and maintain it. And they, they're temporary, right? Yeah. It doesn't, it's not a permanent thing. So in our, you know, example, I'm looking at, or, you know, basically renting, like taking out a permit. Like if I was renovating this building, I'd get a dumpster permit and I'd, you know, pay 30 bucks a month. Sure. I'd pay 30 bucks a month in perpetuity if I was able to put what I want to put there and it just be a, a public service essentially yep. Yep. provided by Inkswell. Yep. There's a lot of great examples out there. Uh, listeners, if you'll Google parklet, you know, a lot of times people will try this out, right. With non permanent measures, potted plants, chalk cones, chairs, stuff like that, just to try it, just to see to Jared's point, it really gets people's attention Dick. and just to see how it feels to folks. And then obviously if, if it's folks are receptive to that, then like to Jared saying, you do something a little more permanent or maybe a little more intensive. Uh, but yeah, there's great examples out there and, and, uh, it's interesting. I wasn't expecting you to be so excited about the parklet. Uh, well, you know, I, what really got me thinking about is after the Dora episode, right? I don't know exactly how that would work. We don't so, sell alcohol, yeah, gotcha. right? We don't do any of that stuff here, right. but if a, if a business that 
did engage in that, yeah. right? And it's inside of the door district. If you're to get your cup and you're technically allowed to be anywhere, then inside that district, and technically you could just kind of sit and hang out there like you were drinking a coffee, sure, yeah. right? Cities in Ohio right now that you are- play Jenga, that big, yeah. that big Jenga game. I feel that. like that would be fun. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to put one of those out yeah. there. <laughs> well, the cities right now in Ohio that are experienced, that have Dora, but are experienced things with the pandemic- are reaching out about part like programs and getting trying to get them implemented in their city so they can do exactly that. Mm, yeah. And I think it, I think a parklet would showcase the value of what complete streets could bring. Yes, complete streets could just start with your words. Yeah, right. We're making mm-hmm. a commitment to mobility for citizens mm-hmm. or eat better accessibility to. XYZ point or location in our city. We're going to yeah. commit to that. I mean, th- boom, that's the well, basis if you're, of if you're, I was awesome. thinking about this yeah. uh, today on a run. I was, I was thinking about the, I was actually thinking about an article that I had read uh, where the person was calling out millennials. All this while running? All yeah. of this while oh, running. I was, we need to start running together. <laughs> <laughs> what, what were the millennials doing? Uh, they were screwing everything up, of course. <laughs> Obviously. You know? that's, that's what we millennials do. We screw everything up. But, you know, I had this you know thing in my head that you know I've always looked at uh, the g- generational gap stuff. You know, if the the people that are primarily ticked off at millennials are baby boomers, right? But the baby boomers are the parents of the millennials, so they need you know look in the mirror if that's the case. And you know, Gen Xers are upset at you know Gen Z, you know that are well, th- those are your that you're the parents of Gen Z, so. I, I don't know where I was headed with this when I was running, but the idea was we'd have to make a decision of whether or not we're going to be complacent and become a retirement community yeah. in which you need to start thinking about mobility yes, or reinventing your town or bringing new assets to the town that would attract millennials, Gen Z, et cetera, who want other means to get around, whether it's, you know, zipping around on a, a scooter or you know whatever mm-hmm. complete streets seems like a logical choice just to kind of move in that direction again i don't you know i can't reconcile the dollars and cents i can't we'd have to get there somehow and i would not be for it un- until i saw you know this is the return on investment that you're going to get and this is where the budget's going to pull from without stopping all of the other things that we need in this need basis town but it makes a lot of logical sense to have. And that's why the parklet really, you know, start, it's, it started a while ago and just keeps coming back and back and back. How we'll just do it. The private sector will just do it because that's what we're supposed to do in small towns is the private sector has got to lead. And when you don't, that's when you, you give rise to, you know, unlimited government. Yeah. Well, and I think those concepts go to go together, Jared, because you're talking about just showing an example. The parklet is an example of is what we could mm-hmm. of what we could have if we had enhanced outdoor seating, or enhanced public meeting space, or whatever. Complete streets is the same thing, right? It's just showing what could be if we committed to it, or if we invested in it, or if we, you know, circled our, our efforts around that long term effort. Same idea. I mean, it's about yeah. showing an example, and then yep. if that is something, right, you keep going with it. If it's not, that's fine too, right? We don't have to keep it moving with that. We can just. Uh, go back to the drawing board if we have to. So a lot of these, there's, there's low risk endeavors that can yeah. be started. Um, and, and like Sam's saying, it doesn't have to be a huge capital expenditure construction project to, nor does the parklet. 
to, yeah. to try yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, if parklets are working for you, yeah, Complete Streets yeah. is working for you, let us know. Snap a picture, show us, tag your hometown. Um, let us know because the, the more examples, I don't want to say we're a monkey see, monkey do town, but when you are mediocre, like when you are 50th percentile, you got to put yourself like you don't want to do anything to teeter that 40th percentile, right? You're just kind of scared to do anything. But if you see other people that have success in those areas, it's much easier to say, oh, it's working for them, you know, you know, and be derivative, which is is okay, you know, as long as it's propelling you forward. There's no copyright infringement here. There you go. There's none. So anyway, that's going to do it for us today. But um, next time on Running with Jared. (laughs) (laughs) If anybody's got any questions uh, that that spawn out of this, hit us up, support at MyTownHustle.com. And, you know, if if you found this fruitful, you know, we'd appreciate five-star review or sharing it with somebody, you know, who might might be curious about it. But until next time. Thank you for listening to My Town Hustle. We would greatly appreciate it if you would share our podcast with someone who you think would benefit greatly from it. But most importantly, subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever platform you consume your podcasts. It would mean the world to us. Until next time, folks, thanks for listening.